Welcome to Footy Rambles podcast. This is Jonathan Keefe, your host, also known as Johnny Keefe. And as always, joining me, the one, the only, he gets back at four in the morning from a night out when he was meant to get back at midnight. It's Callum Castelnuovo. Do tell us more. <laughs> oh, good afternoon. Well, yeah, I mean, we were supposed to get back about uh, midnight last night, but got stuck on the train for two hours and then got told to make our way home back from Manchester and uh, got back at 4am. So Manchester I am Liverpool, tired. Just so that everybody knows, Manchester to Liverpool. So it's not exactly round the corner. It's a, uh, well, a train journey wouldn't take too long. The taxi, eh, a little bit more than you'd like it to be, I can imagine. And £75. Oh, Jesus. Well, all fun and games, I would definitely be contacting the rail company to ask for some compensation there because it was not your fault. Anyway, onto the football. We obviously had a wonderful, wonderful day of football yesterday on Saturday. Um, a superb game. We're going to go into uh, all of the games, so, but we are going to make a start with Brentford versus Liverpool, Man United versus Villa, Chelsea versus City, and then we're going to look at the other four games um, in isolation, of course, but there's a nice umbrella kind of term that covers them all, which was great goalkeeping. And we are going to go into that in much more detail. However, Callum, Please take us through your notes for Brentford versus Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, what a game. It was um, It was a cracker. And I feel like teams that are coming up are doing this a bit with the bigger clubs now. Leeds did it with Liverpool um, and Sheffield United have had games like this. But Brentford looks awesome. And obviously Liverpool offensively looks great as they do. But uh, defensively, they didn't look good. We, we spoke before um, about the Champions League and said maybe that was Van Dijk being out. But I feel like Tony, again, was just awesome in every area of the pitch, especially um, up in the air. And he was bullying Van Dijk a bit. And I feel like Trent got bullied in the air. Um, and in my in my belief, he, was, he kind of led to two of Brentford's goals, not winning the ball in the air. Um, and Liverpool just just didn't look the same as they always would. And I don't know if that's because of how Brentford played and how they played through Tony, but Tony's getting better and better every single game that I see him and his all-round play um, is just class. And Salah, I think he got his um, I think he got his 100. He broke another record, but I think 10 minutes to go when Liverpool were three two up, he could have put the uh, put the game away one on one and tried to tried a nice little skill move and a chip over and it just it went was, yeah, just went over the crossbar yeah. didn't it I'll be only five few inches but I'll uh, that'll be said it wasn't in the back of the net but I've, I've got to disagree with you I think Trent was bullied at the back post by three Brentford players who were all clambering to put the ball in the back of the net and if anything it was Liverpool's shoddy defending that let Trent down I think there should have been uh, more communication between the back four um, helping out Trent you know you've got Van Dijk and Matip that are much much bigger and stronger players um, you know we always talk talk about Van Dijk being potentially the best defender in Europe, if not the world. And yet he was, he was nowhere when it came to that goal. And it, you know, it quite simply was Trent was on his own. It was a three V one situation. So to say that he was bullied, I think is a little bit harsh. Well, no, to say that he was poor on for that goal, I think is a bit harsh, but yeah, he was most certainly bullied at that back post. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it just it just backs up my point about Trent not being good defensively. I would disagree <laughs> with you and say that he he was bullied in the air, and I think he always will be bullied in the air. Um, and I think he just needs to be more offensive. I still see him as more of a winger. Um, but yeah, like you said, I think the overall Liverpool defending there did let him down a bit, but it just kind of uh, showed us, highlighted his uh, one of his poor defensive attributes. 
Yeah, no, I can understand that. No, no, we need to go on to the outstanding defensive plays from both teams at stages uh, when they did save themselves from from goals. So there were some great goal line saves. Uh, we also need to do a massive shout out to David Rea for a spectacular, no, 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 world-class save that he produced. I think it was against Diego Jota, wasn't it? Um it, you know, I think it was, I'm going to say it was Curtis Jones. Was it Curtis Jones that hit the post? And then Diego Jota's um, rebounded efforts, uh, well, how he kept it out is un- is just unknown to me. And then it was indeed Matip that kept the um, another um, another ball out of the goal, wasn't it? At one point with the goal line safe. And you're going to, you know, we've, we we already tested each other. Who was the Brentford player that did that? Neither of us guessed. Neither of us know. I'm, I'm guessing Pinnock, but I'm, I'm not too Maybe sure. Wrong, I'm not too sure. Yeah, either way, they both <laughs> teams were absolutely superb um, and uh, Salah doing everybody a favour because I think it's fair to say that a lot of people will have captained him in FPL this week he did get his goal in the end you know after a little bit of nervous waiting from VAR um, he was deemed not offside and he did get his goal it was a great six goal thriller I think it's fair to say when people put their accumulators on and it might have been over five and a half goals more people than otherwise will have been expecting most of the goals to go towards Liverpool but these things happen and in fact at one point we even thought it was 4-3 right in the dying minutes to Brentford however offside ruled again great finish though great finish no it was superb finish absolutely uh, let's move on man united versus villa what an outstanding game this was from villa um please do talk about your notes because i know that you've got one hell of a rant coming on oh, we're going into ollie gunner solskjaer again <laughs> i think this is three pods on the bounce and he deserves it i feel like graham's seen this with paul pogba but i feel like ollie deserves this because he's just um He's taking the shine out of the team. McFred needs to stop. Um, there's just a few like the, the penalty thing is. Did you what, just call him McFred? I called the duo McFred, McFred the double Fred, pivot. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that. Then you had an absolute howl of it. Then I was like, yeah, I know that, I know that you don't rate that either of them as a player for that team. And that's what's stopping them being a world class team. But anyway, sorry to interrupt. Please go on. Yeah, no, I think that's just somewhere they, they needed to strengthen more than other areas, maybe, and he didn't. Um, and both of them, I think McTominay is better than Fred, but Fred is diabolical. Um, I think the penalty, I, I don't even know if the decision for who was taking the penalty was so clear. It was obviously going to be Bruno. I think it, he took the ball and whatever and had it under his arm, but it just seemed like he scored so many penalties and this one was so disgraceful that I don't know if there was some sort of miscommunication for or that the pressure got to him or whatever. But yeah, Ollie for me, moaning about the goal being offside at the end. Have a day off. The Villa played better than Man United um, and arguably deserved their win. Um, and the, the amount of decisions that Ollie gets away with and that the offside, he wasn't in the view, he wasn't in um, clear view of De Gea. By the time um, Courtney House struck the struck his header into the back of the net we will yeah. say he he scored um and the uh who was it that was covering him sorry he was covering De Gea and they said it was going to be offside Cavani. Cavani was covering it was it, it was Cavani oh no sorry um covering no, De Gea Cavani. yeah there was a player on him and Ollie said Ooh. that was why it was offside oh, I you, remember yeah. Ollie Watkins oh yeah Ollie Watkins Ollie Watkins yes that was it. Sorry. Yeah, he said that Ollie Watkins was in his view. He wasn't in his view. By the time the header was struck, he was out of his way and De Gea was never going to get there anyway. It was a powerful header. There was no one on the near post to defend it. Um, I think that was mentioned on Match of the Day as well. Was, yeah, there was yeah. no one. 
yeah, like that's just basics. And that is for the manager tactics, to... isn't it? I mean, that's that tactic's been used since the you know the crack of dawn, so the you know the dawn of the age of football, if you like. You know, you have a player on the front post, sometimes on the back post as well. You have a player switch onto it, and there was just no one there. In my opinion, if if Man United really cared about Ollie Watkins that much, they would have had a defender on him, you know, trying to muscle him off De Gea so that De Gea could have you know made himself large in the box. To be honest with you, so it is quite simply like you said. Man United's poor defending efforts on that. Cavani lost his man and um, and he managed just to, I mean, how he managed to get the header into the back of the net. I think he was ducking down at one point. It was it was a ridiculous goal. But do you know what? It went in the back of the net and that's the aim of the game ultimately. Yeah, and it was a bullet header and I just yeah. think the excuses are getting a bit tiresome now. I feel like it's a script from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I watch him now and I see him and throughout the game, He'll, I don't know if you've if you've noticed. I've started to notice it a lot. He'll start the game, um, sat in his dugout, legs crossed, hands over in that kind of position, <clears throat> and then he changes his um, positioning throughout the game to just bend over with his hands crossed. And then towards the end of the game, it'll become a bit more animated, and it feels like he does it as a routine throughout the game, and then bang comes to his explanation at the end of the game and it's the same and it comes in the same order uh, we were better we couldn't put our chances away uh, and then an excuse and it's like okay right so it's it's the exact same thing you're going to say every single game now um if they if they, all right if he's offside they still didn't win at old trafford and villa arguably could have won matty cash put a great ball across uh, to matty target who should have put put it away it was a terrible miss um and they didn't deserve anything out of the game man united arguably so just just give up the excuses yeah I think do you know what it, it did look like Wan-Bissaka really got in his way to be honest but then you look at it again and say do you know what it doesn't look like he was expecting the ball but you should still be expecting the ball if you like just in case that happens um, too many times that happens in you know throughout the season and how many goals could it you know account to if that was the case but anyway um, yeah I, I mean Oli looks tactically inept at the moment he just looks like he's lost. You know, you look at people like Pep and Thomas Tuchel, Jurgen Klopp, they always have that plan. They're talking, they're screaming at their at their players. He just doesn't have a clue when it comes to it, which is such a shame because, you know, the team are great. The team look great. And you think to yourself, what would they be doing under, a, you know, a Conte or someone like that? You think they'd be ruthless, ruthless. But no, it, it's just not the case. Let's let's quickly uh, mention the... Um, that the Fernandez penalty miss because I think it's fair to say that 90% of this year of the crowd will have wanted it to have been Ronaldo. Um, I think there were a lot of people that probably thought, no, keep it, you know, keep it nice and straightforward. Bruno Fernandez has actually scored 93% of his penalties, which is a huge amount. So, you know, fair enough. You would actually say, you know, give it to him, but you looked at his face. And again, I watched it on match of the day and he was, a, he looked like a breathing mess. And what I meant by that was, he was setting himself up and he just didn't look comfortable with the whole situation. I think he'd been, you know, told to wait a bit longer than expected for it. And even um, Martinez had been coming out and saying, you know, get Ronaldo to take it, let him take it. And he was clearly working. He was putting them off and he just made him out a total wobble. And that's what it totally was in the end. Uh, but again, credit to Villa, great performance, great play. Yeah, super performance, wasn't it really? Yeah, definitely. I want to give a quick shout out to Martinez as well, because he's a master for that with penalties. He's done it with Argentina and I think he did get in his head and he did a little jiggle towards the fans afterwards, which was just class. But um, you say jiggle, yeah. it was a it was a full on um, hip thrust, wasn't it? It was, <laughs> it was something. It, it was, was a full on um, hip thrust. 
it was some shithousery, I might say. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed that. And I think um, I, I, I spoke to you before, and we might do, we might do a little feature um, in the future of a team of the week between us. And I think that for me might have uh, just got him into my team of the week, just out of melee. Yeah, that's a fair point. Okay, well, going on to another team, which... Uh, Oh, just disappointed me. I think the game ultimately disappointed me, although it was absolutely superb from City, was, of course, Chelsea versus City at Stamford Bridge. Um, I'm going to start off by saying that City were brilliant in this game. I really enjoyed the masterful performance that they put on. They clearly were going to go there to dominate when it could have quite easily been a real 50-50 melee between the two teams. Um, but quite simply... It was a superb performance and they absolutely deserved everything they got from it. Um, naturally, it was a, a Jesus goal that separated the two teams just after halftime. But, uh, and, and that for me was when Chelsea really started to turn it on. They came, uh, came out of second into third gear um, and really started trying to tighten the screw at that point. But it was almost too little too late. They just didn't have enough in the tank to go out. Not enough time left either because City were always going to try and be as dominant as they could be. Um, it was just too defensive from Chelsea ultimately. Yeah, and that's it's a great point you make as well because I think I've mentioned before the the Chelsea agenda seems to be um, take on the pressure for the first half, let them think they're in the game, and then second half, bang, we're going for them. And they've done it with Villa three 0 um, They've done it last week three 0 and it almost seemed like they were trying to do it against City. That's that's not going to work with City, and it seems like um, in the previous games Pep and Tuchel have had against each other, the Champions League final bits like that. It was if um, Pep overfought it and uh, Tuchel's always got the better of them but uh, this was like the opposite way around yeah, totally um, and agree. like you said yeah and when, once they made the changes yeah they looked great they looked back to it but it was too little too late the City defence was um, was awesome when it came to it Cancelo and Walker uh, Laporte and Diaz were all credible yeah. um, and offensively Grealish looked a danger every single time he was on the ball Bernardo Silva was giving them headaches um, like attacking and defensively um, and 67% possession City had at half time. So they were clearly very dominant. And then, like you say, Jesus got the goal. Everyone talks about City not having a number nine. He's scoring goals and he looks good. So maybe if Pep just keeps that faith in him, they could, they could have the number nine and they could uh, get, I mean, it's a real title race between uh, I'd say three teams at the moment. We thought it was going to be a four way battle. I'm not too sure about United at the moment, but it's going to be a real title race. And I feel like these, these top three, four teams are going to get results against each other and draw against lower clubs. I think it's going to be vintage Barclays. And I said that Chelsea are going to win the league and I still think that, but it's just not going to be as straightforward as uh, as the start kind of made it appear. Totally agree with you. I think um, it's funny that you mentioned the Bernardo Silva playing both offensively and defensively as well. He was superb yesterday. He was that box-to-box midfield player that was quite happy to do the defensive duties and let Jack Grealish push further up the pitch, which is something that he would have used to have done, you know, a season, two seasons ago. But quite simply, Pep's just turned around to him and said, I want you to be further back. I want you to be a lot deeper so that, you know, it's almost like Pep's just said to him, Grealish is better than you. And it's obvious that he is, but Bernardo Silva is quite happy to play that role of... um, it's almost like the uh, Fernandinho role where he's more than happy just to be that engine in midfield, get back and forth 
but just not go as deep, um, excuse me, not go as forward as, as he might have once upon a time done. But then he's still able, able to do that overlapping role that he that you know he was, he was doing with Grealish. And it was it was a superb, it made Jack Grealish look like a world-class player. And you know what? He's, he's looking more and more like that. It's a shame that he's being booed every single week, I must say. I don't think he deserves that. Um, ultimately, it was great business between Villa and with City. Um I, I mean, that's just tribalism there for you in the world of football. And you know what? I love it, so I'm not going to slag it off too much. So <laughs> let's let's move straight into um, the other four games, which we're going to do a bit more of a brief subject on. So you've uh, you obviously got Leeds and Watford down, uh, excuse me, Leeds and West Ham down here. Two one in the end to uh, to West Ham. I must say, very disappointed because Leeds on my team. But hey ho, um, great goal by Rafinha, uh, but just ultimately great play by West Ham. Yeah, and um, that man, Antonio, again, um, for me, he's one of the best strikers in the league. Um, I'm not going to beat around the bush anymore. I think he's been given this kind of chance now to be the out-and-out striker, whereas before... Oh, yeah, he'd, absolutely. Yeah, well, he'd have he'd have his moments whilst they were waiting to get a striker, and Sebastian Haller came in and Antonio's back out to the wing. Now he is the striker. Um, he's unbelievable. I would like to say, as a, I mean, I'd say it's an outside shout, and it might not even really... Be I'd like to say he could be within a chance to spoil Lukaku and Ronaldo's party and Salah and get the golden boot. I'd like to say that because um, he's a machine in in every single way. Um, he's like he's like a catastrophic finesse player. <laughs> And I don't know how that works. It was the same with uh, Sami Amiobi at Forest. He could do something just just bizarre and then make it work. Um, and yeah, he's just getting better and better. I saw him get rugby tackled at one point, which seemed like the only way to stop him. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like the, the saves from Melier and Fabianski were incredible. I found it funny when Bielsa kind of kneeled down and realised his bucket wasn't there. <laughs> it, was, um, <laughs> it, it was interesting. But I want to ask you a question, actually, Mr. Uh, the host um i mean Firpo's own goal was just shocking defending out of position and all that kind of stuff um rafinha did look amazing as he always does but bottom three at the moment are you worried nope i'm not because in bielsa we trust quite simply and you'll see it around leeds quite a bit actually just in bielsa we'll trust and you know what we're having a bit of a wobble at the moment but i think as the season goes on as the team starts to gel better and people see what their positions need to be. Junior Firpo is in the team for the first time this year. Let's be frank about it. So he will get better. And the team will get better. I don't have any doubt in it right now. Um, ask me again two-thirds of the way into the season. And if we're still precariously balanced on that bottom three, then maybe so. But just going back to your uh, uh, Mikel Antonio, he is leading the top scorer's chart only by alphabetical order at the moment. So he is on five goals with Mohamed Salah and Jamie Vardy. So there is a very esteemed list of players at the top of the charts there. Bruno Fernandes on four and uh, Ismail Assar as well on four, to be fair. So do you know what? What is it now? Six games into the season. Um, there's, there's still a long way to go. But you're quite right. Outside chance. Would you have stuck a tenner on him at the beginning of the season? Probably not. Would you be likely to stick a tenner on him now just for the, you know, just for the, uh, well, giggles? Yeah, you probably would do because there's no reason why he won't hit 15 goals at the moment as things stand. And my ad, he's missed a game through suspension. So he has got the most goals joined, but he's played a game less. So I'm 
I'm, I've got faith in him. I think this season he's going to be really up there with some of the big players, avoiding injury and everything like that. West Ham look good around him. Ben Rama was, oh, he was, he was causing mischief um, offensively. And another player that uh, Buster got to get back into his own half and make a uh, crucial sliding challenge. So they've got a good team, and I think um, they will feed the beast, and he will eat. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. So let's move on from what I was very upset with yesterday and move on to a team <laughs> where I I suggested in this podcast to everybody get Alan St Maximum in. I took my own, you know, my own tip and did do, and I was very happy with the rewards that I got from it. You took it as well as I looked at your fantasy team, and you know what? I think a lot of other people will have gone. Yeah, do you know what? He's pulling, uh, he's pulling up trees at the moment. Uh, unfortunately, the scoreline just didn't quite reflect how good Newcastle were at times. But Watford won, Newcastle won, great game. You've you've got a few words to say about it, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, Sam Maximan could have had a hat-trick of assists. Um, he, <laughs> Newcastle just were all over them. And the Newcastle fans were saying they wanted exciting football. They knew they weren't going to be fighting for Europe or anything like that. And I think they got a bit of it. They were just let down by finishing. Um, and what I mean by that is they did score an unbelievable goal. So they did have a bit of a finish in them. But um, they uh, Longstaff scored that goal and then had a terrible miss. That Sam Maximan just gave him an open goal. Um, and he blazed it over. And the last minute, Sam Maximan again with some skill and an amazing ball through to Murphy, who just chipped it into Foster's hands. Uh, shout out to Foster, by the way, had a great game. Um, but they just weren't finishing off their chances. And King's, Josh King scored that goal, and it looked like Watford had won the game due to um, Newcastle's poor finishing. But luckily, it was disallowed. So I think that's kind of a theme for Newcastle. They just need to put away their chances um, and not let other teams punish them for any mistakes. But yeah, yeah, Sam Maximan, it was a great tip. I'm annoyed because I took a hit to bring Saar and Sam Maximan in, who both got returns, but um, I took Rafinha out because he said he was injured and he scored as well, so I lost ah, a few points on that. <laughs> but, um, fantasy football, eh? <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was upsetting, but I'm happy. I'm going I'm to hit the wild card this week, so I'm quite excited about what's to come. Fair enough. Well, good stuff. So uh, moving swiftly onwards then onto a game that we said that we'd probably spend a maximum of 30 seconds on. So let's see. I'm going to get the stopwatch going. Everton to Norwich nil. Go. Right. Big shout out to my uncle and my little cousin who went to the game because they are Everton fans and it was one of my cousin's first games there. And Ducore was unbelievable. Everton the fifth and they look really good and Norwich looked really bad and Ducore and Townsend look really amazing. Ducore especially box to box and Everton look good and they are fifth and I think they will do very well this season. Done. 26 seconds, very monotone towards the end, but fair play to you. Um, I say monotone, it became like very robotic towards the end. So there we go. But anyway, well done. You did stick to the time limit. Um, let's go on to a game where uh, there was a hat-trick scored in Leicester versus Burnley. And we say a hat-trick very, very hilariously because Vardy scored the first opening goal, unfortunately into the back of his own net. But then he did... Um, he did put himself on the score sheet for the right reasons after that with two very, very good goals. Um, yeah, it's an interesting draw. You wouldn't have expected it from Leicester. 
Yeah, I mean they've they've they're doing this though. They've they've had a bad start to the season, really, in kind yeah. of what you'd expect from Leicester. They've only won two, they've drew one, which was yesterday, and they've lost three. And that again yesterday, you were expecting them to just put Burnley away. Um and <clears throat> Vardy's one that's going under the radar with the good performance he's having. Because like you say, he's joint top goal scorer right now. Um he's looking good, he doesn't age, but Leicester are just not looking good enough for us to kind of focus on that. And um, Burnley, yeah, um, Cornet, he scored his first goal for them uh, after moving to Burnley this season, looked like a good acquisition, but then unfortunately got booked and then injured, much like Leon Bailey's um, appearance at Aston Villa the other week. Um, so Burnley are putting up a fight, but they're in the bottom three, they're second to bottom, and Leicester really should be putting them away, so I think they'll be disappointed with that. Um, but yeah, Vardy looks like he's on fire, and I'm sure they'll come good at some point. Yeah, it really does throw a, rob- a wobble, excuse me, into fantasy football teams because I think Vardy's one of those players, myself included, who um, whoever you know, you love Adam at some point, and if not, you'd be tempted to put him in just because he is the well, as well as Ian Atcher, it's, it, it needs to be said, he is that goal scorer there, and you're always just looking for that goal scorer. Like I would never have looked at Ivan Tony, but at the same time, he's returning. It's so he's a tricky player to think about when it does come to FPL. Um, now you have done yourself a team for Saturday, haven't you? So I'm going to just talk my way through it because there is some there's some very interesting players in there. Messier for a start, obviously wasn't his greatest performance. Well, wasn't his greatest game in terms of the result, but he was very successful in that yesterday in terms of the saves that he will have had. So for fantasy football, not too bad whatsoever. But then Emi Martinez and David Rea were good as well. Yeah, I mean, I think, like I said, I think I'd, I'd probably change it to Martinez for his clean sheet and his antics. But I just thought the the uh, the saves from Melier and that save from Raya was was unbelievable. But Melier made one similar to that himself, which you just couldn't believe didn't go in, um, and made a few good saves right at the start of the game. So I, yeah, I think he had a really good performance. Obviously, the scoreline let him down, but he just looks good every week. Um, he's always making um, great saves, and yeah, for me, I would just probably think he had the uh, had the just had the tip yesterday in terms of goalkeeping performance. Very good, yeah. So going on to the back four that you've chosen, and it is three from Man City, which is very much unsurprising because I think that they had just a uh, a worldy of a night, uh, excuse me, a worldy of an afternoon yesterday. So we've got Cal Walker, who is the fastest living creature on the planet, it's fair to say. There's also Laporte and Cancelo for obvious reasons, a superb threesome just in there. And then do you know what? I'm not surprised by this one. House. Great performance mm. from him yesterday. It was a superb goal and uh, a superb performance all in all. I think he really caused, well, obviously the goal included, but he caused problems. Yeah, and he got his clean sheet. I don't know how unfortunate he was to give away the penalty because we've seen them all the time, but I think it was at some speed. But then, yeah, he had his arm out and he didn't come yeah. to anything. But he looks really good. And I know Villa fans really want him towards the uh, towards the England team. So he's a good prospect in that Villa team. Um, and, I f- yeah, I-, I think he had a really good day yesterday um, and took a clean sheet away from Old Trafford and a goal. Yeah, listen, when um, Stones isn't getting a game at the moment, so uh, why should he not when it should be based on performance? So we'll see about that one. Uh, Moving into midfield, Decore, Bernardo Silva and uh, Declan Rice. 
Yeah, I mean, Ducore for me, out of the three there, really stood out. Just uh, the way his box-to-box play was and has been so far this season. Um, Rafa Benitez is really getting a tune out of him offensively, whereas he is just used to kind of being a sitting midfielder. Um, and I think he's pulling the strings at Everton. Obviously, the new wingers are looking great and Townsend scored his goal yesterday. Um, but Ducore uh, just looks great. Um, Bernardo Silva, we've spoke about. And Declan Rice, yeah, I think he's just captain in that West Ham team to a real good... Um, in a real good way. I mean, this this team of the week will probably change after today because there could be a few key performances. I don't think too many midfields kind of covered themselves in glory yesterday. And I'm speaking about Chelsea and Liverpool's midfield, um, United, obviously, and bits like that. So in terms of uh, yesterday, yeah, I think Rice had a good game and the other two were just stand out for me. Yeah, I've got to. I can't disagree with all of those. I didn't really pay too much attention to uh, Decore, but your arguments sound with him. To be fair, it's a very good argument, and I totally agree that Rafa is getting a tune out of Everton at the moment, which uh, is why their place in fifth is very much valid. Um, and then going into the forward plays, you've got Antonio. Obvious reasons. We've just been speaking about how uh, how we both rate him, and I, yeah, well, he was in my he was on my bench yesterday because I genuinely thought that he was. Uh, I thought he was still. Uh, I thought he wasn't able to play. I'll just leave it at that because I was going to get my uh, my tongue tied then. Jamie Vardy, three goals. Let's be fair, two of them were brilliant. And then uh, Ivan Tony, a great performance all round. Yeah, and he could have got his goal as well. He was just offside, yeah. but um, he got his assist again and he was just pulling all the strings for Brentford. I think their their whole game plan is through him, um, through all positions uh, up top. And yeah, I think uh, I think that's a great front three, to be fair. I don't think that's going to change after today's games, I'll be honest. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see actually if any of the um, any of the games from today, obviously Southampton Wolves, uh, Arsenal, Tottenham, the North London derby, but then we've also got Palace and Brighton on uh, on Monday. It'd be interesting to see whether or not any of one from those three games does pull out a decent performance. I think the North London derby always pulls out an interesting situation. I don't think it'll be too. I say I don't think it'll be too boring, but the teams just haven't played very well since the start I mean if you look at Arsenal they've got two goals to the name in six games it's absolutely shocking at the moment and then Spurs have just been doing enough the last few games excuse me the first few games and then in the last two games have been shocking so if anything I think it could be Crystal Palace that are the um they're the kind of underdogs going into uh, the next few games. And I think Brighton have, have just done so well that they have just, that they've been the team that are under the radar, but at the same time, we should be talking about them, but we'll see what Monday has to offer and, uh, and what we'll be talking about in the next podcast, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And they could go top of the league on Monday, by the way. That's outrageous, isn't it? The fact that that could happen <laughs> is absolutely outrageous. Uh, Six you know, games in. Six, do you know what? I'm looking at the full table now, and yeah, you're not wrong. They could, it'll take them up to 15th on, uh, um, well, with only one loss to the name, but then I mean, they're just they're ticking over, they're just ticking over. It's it's brilliant, isn't it? Let's be honest. I mean, to be fair, this is where was it's um, Spurs were at the beginning of last year when they were top of the league, and people were thinking, yeah, yeah, we could do this. And all of a sudden, oh no, that was the beginning of this season. Sorry, what we're talking about. And then, you know, two, two, two or three games in, and everyone's saying, oh yeah, Nuno, greatest manager ever. And then, where are they now? Quite literally, 10th. So, one of those. Yep. Anyway, we'll, we'll finish it there, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for listening to us all. We look forward to talking to you very soon. Thank you again for listening. We will see you on the other side. Enjoy your weekends. Callum, take care. Enjoy your Sunday afternoon. <laughs>